Here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time and bring your shame. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. And if you're joining us on social media, uh, we're waving here to you. Uh, this is Dr. Esther Yee. She's on the air with me today. And we have a great topic we're going to be talking about. Um, you may or may not know that there's a, a pretty uh, significant consensus that uh, anxiety is actually on the, on the rise um, in the U.S., anxiety, depression, these sorts of things. In August 2018, Barnes & Noble, they're the largest book retailer in the United States, they announced a huge surge in the sales of books about anxiety, a 25% jump on June 2017. And uh, somebody wrote, we may be living in an anxious nation. And, you know, um, it's, it is a significant issue. I actually started um, a unit on this subject in my classes because so many of my students are dealing with anxiety and anxiety often leads to depression and other things. But uh, let me tell you about my, my guest, Dr. Esther Yee. Uh, she has a bachelor's degree in psychology with a minor in Asian studies from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, master's degree in counseling psychology, and a doctorate in psychology from Southern California Seminary Graduate School of Behavioral Sciences. Her clinical experience includes adolescent and adult survivors of sex trafficking, domestic violence offenders, rehab, drug and alcohol addictions, depression, anxiety, family issues, anger, and she's currently teaching at Bethel Seminary and Point Loma Nazarene University Master's Program. Uh, Dr. Yee, thanks for being on the program today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. Absolutely. So uh, we actually have coming up a free family conference. For those of you interested, this is going to be on May 4th. It's a very short conference, 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., but there's all kinds of workshops that are going to be available to you in order to get help for your family. It talks about things like blended families, Improving communication between tweens, teens, and parents. That sounds like a good one for me, right? uh, Single parenting, finding peace during chaos. That's kind of what we're dealing with today. Um, Parenting habits that prevent kids from leaving their faith. That's something that I'm covering um, there at the conference. Dr. Yi is going to be at the conference also. And the main topic of the conference, um, Dr. Yi, is battling loneliness. Yes. So why, um, why was this, you know, what happened here to make the decision about loneliness to be one of the main issues that you're going to be focusing on? I think we're seeing a lot more. I think we're seeing it in relationships because people are experiencing loneliness. We have more people who are living by themselves, but really it comes down to people don't know how to have quality relationships with people. Social media is on the rise and we see that with technology changing, but in general, people realize that they're struggling to have quality relationships. We have quantity. We have lots of Facebook friends and Instagram friends and followers, but in general, we're having a hard time just having genuine relationships with people that we can be open and honest with. Mm. And so that's just kind of how we came to this topic because we're seeing an increase of that and people seeking help for those things. Absolutely. Okay. So you're seeing that actually on the clinical side too. A lot of people Mm -hmm, looking mm -hmm. for that. Yes. Um, I I was with my students um, over at Christian High. I'm a 12th grade Bible teacher. And one of the subjects when we were going through the whole anxiety, depression uh, bit, we looked at a Harvard study. It was a 75-year study, 724 men, uh, they've done it for, uh, it's still ongoing, but one of the most significant things, they said the key finding in the study was that loneliness kills and that healthy social relationships are what bring the most satisfaction, the most joy. They said um, at 80, those who were most happy were the ones who at 50 had the strongest social relationships. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think 
we're seeing that we need strong quality relationships and not just superficial relationships. And so people tend to be less lonely when they have strong quality relationships. The study that you're talking about um, talked about mortality rates and people are living shorter lives because they're experiencing loneliness. I think there's a study out there that talked about it's very similar to as if you smoked 15 cigarettes a day. That's the impact that it has when you're experiencing some type of loneliness. Um, And so we really want to break that and talk about it more. And I know even the Surgeon General came up with a video talking about, wow, loneliness really impacts people. And so we need to address it. What are the solutions for it? And so that's really how we came to the topic of this family conference. That's fantastic. Uh, So needed. Um, And, and, you know, we were, uh, Dr. Yee and I were talking off the air just briefly about, you know, the stuff that's on YouTube, the stuff that's on um, cartoons, uh, as well as just, um, people disconnecting because of social media. So do you, do you think that social media is playing a role in people being less equipped to be able to have those social relationships, like in-person relationships? I think it can be. Yeah. I love social media. I'm on it myself. I think there's pros and cons to it, and it really depends on how you use it. Yeah. Um, if you're definitely only concerned about the numbers and the amount of likes that you have and trying to present material that maybe not be authentic to you and just who you are as a person, I could see that really causing loneliness because people don't really know who you really are. Mm. You're not able to be vulnerable and be the person that you really desire to be. And you're presenting maybe more of a facade out to people. And that can really create loneliness because you feel like, wow, people don't really know me. They know who I present, but they don't really know me, especially if you're really caught up in what is the most popular post. That makes sense. That yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, I've I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he said, "Man, um, you know, uh, sometimes you see all that other people are doing too, and you look at that and you go, man, I got to post something else that's you know good or shows, hey, my life's worth living here too.' And yeah. so it creates almost this competition between, mm-hmm. okay, who has the best you know quote life, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know, sometimes pain is definitely a part of everybody's life. Suffering, it's more a matter of when it happens, not a matter of if it happens, but that's not the stuff that people oftentimes want to see. Now we are seeing a change and sometimes people are more open about those things, especially related to mental health. Mm -hmm. But in general, I think people kind of shy away from that because it gets uncomfortable and difficult to really sit with people's pain. And so, um, people filter. Yeah, absolutely. Because Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't, and a lot of people, they don't know how to respond to that either. They go, oh man, this person posted about this and I'm not sure how to respond to that, right? Yeah. 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 And so then they say nothing and sometimes that can be extremely painful. I mean, imagine when somebody shares something in person with somebody about something that they're going through, like uh, a death of a parent or, you know, something like cancer and you just sit there in silence and say nothing. Mm. And that can be really hurtful to the person that was so incredibly vulnerable and they just openly shared your life. Well, say something. Um, you may not exactly know what to say, and that's okay. You're human. It's okay to make a mistake and then say, hey, okay, wait, I take that back. That's not what I meant to say. Um, sometimes it's just identifying an emotion. Wow, it must be it must be really difficult. I can't even imagine what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And having that authentic experience with somebody who's sharing something so vulnerable. Yeah. So um, let's talk more about um, what exactly, from a clinical perspective, what is anxiety? Mm. I would say a very simple way to define anxiety is a lot of worry, overwhelming worry to the point where, you know, everybody experiences some type of anxiety. Like if you were about to present before school, um, standing in front of lots of people, you might experience some type of anxiety, but that doesn't mean you have an anxiety disorder. And so I want to differentiate that because I think sometimes people look at the symptoms on Google and they think, oh my gosh, I have anxiety. I have some type of anxiety disorder. Now, 
when it impacts your ability to function day to day, then I would say, yeah, that's probably the good time to go and seek help. For instance, I know some people get so anxious and have panic attacks when they're driving and they can't drive, they can't function. So I would say, yeah, that's definitely an indicator that you can't function. This may impact your ability to have good relationships like at home with your friends, uh, even work, especially work performance. You'd be surprised a lot of people get impacted by anxiety at work. And so it's really difficult for them to concentrate. Uh, with kids, I would say studies. It's hard to focus on what the teachers are talking about. And so they look like they're not interested, but really it could be anxiety. Mm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So I, I was, do, I was looking this up. So are there different types of what is a uh, general anxiety disorder or, um, uh, social anxiety? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what is general GAD? I think is the abbreviation. Yeah. General anxiety is just the general disorder for anxiety that people are facing day to day. Um, there is a time frame related to that of how much you're experiencing anxiety. Social anxiety happens more with when you're in a social setting. So being around people can cause a lot of anxiety. So you'll see more people won't go out in public due to those things. And so uh, they, for a lack of a better description, maybe more like a hermit. Mm. And they want to kind of hide away from being in social settings. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I I uh, got this. It said um, people with GAD feel anxious most days and often struggle to remember the last time they felt relaxed. Mm-hmm. As soon as one anxious thought is resolved, another may appear about a different issue. Mm. So it's just uh, it's, it's like an ongoing thing. It just doesn't yeah. stop. Yeah. And it's a battle of the mind. So sometimes people can't even tell that people are experiencing anxiety. Yeah. You know, and it's an ongoing thing. And it's it can be really paralyzing to somebody to be able to function the way that you de- desire to. Yeah. And and, and anxiety is, um, when we're talking about a disorder, you're talking about like anxiety that is off the charts, uh, kind of unreasonable. It's not something that uh, warrants the kind of anxiety that a person has, like a panic attack kind of. Right, right. I would say if you are swimming and people are telling you that there's sharks there, it's okay to fear feel anxious about yeah. sharks being in <laughs> the water. Right. Um, but if you are somewhere and it's and you're safe, but you're still feeling anxious and you have tons of worries, that's when you know that you're experiencing maybe beyond your capacity to cope with it. Yeah. Um, and so that's I that's probably the biggest difference is when there's normal anxiety for certain situations. But then there are situations where people probably shouldn't expect or experience anxiety, and they are to a very high extreme, and that can be really paralyzing. Okay. So my guest today is Dr. Esther Yee, and um, when we get back, we're going to talk about, okay, where does this anxiety come from? Why do some people seem so calm you know, under, under situations while other people are freaking out? Um, does it have something to do with the way they were brought up? Is it genetic? Where is this coming from? And we're also discussing... Is this increasing? And if it is increasing in America, which seems to be the case, there's so many people reporting uh, an increase in anxiety, an increase in depression. Um, Where is that coming from and what can we do about it? How can we minimize anxiety and depression in our own homes, among our children, with our spouse? Uh, What kind of things can we learn to do or habits can we develop which where we reduce the anxiety in our homes because like uh, Dr. Yee was saying, this actually takes years off your lifespan. It's not just a you know, an issue that that isn't relevant, it actually affects your, your physical health as well as your mental health and ultimately your relationship with God too. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. 
Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. I will catch Thanks for being with us today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. And uh, my website is dedicated to helping people understand the truth of God's Word. So you can check it out. Uh, we've got all kinds of classes there that will help you um, better understand uh, where the Bible came from, why the Bible is true, how to deal with social issues or cultural issues that pertain to the Bible. Things like abortion is a very hot issue right now. We have classes on on how to discuss that in a loving and uh, godly and logical fashion. We have uh, the issues of homosexuality on there also where you can discuss that, understand the biblical view and um, how to discuss that with other people. We also have things on other religions. So religions like Islam or Mormonism or Buddhism, all these different things that we talk about on my website, as well as many interviews with people from all over the world. Uh, Just um, interviewed not too long ago, a former atheist who became a Christian, Mary Jo Sharp, and she talks about why she switched from atheism to Christianity. Great interview. You can check that out on our YouTube page, uh, Facebook page as well as my website. My guest today is Dr. Esther Yee, and um, rhombuscounseling.com is, uh, she works with uh, Dr. Julie Hayden, and they have a counseling center. If you're looking for help, whether it's anxiety issues, depression, uh, whatever it is, just making better life choices, um, you can check it out there. That's rhombuscounseling.com. Rhombus is spelled R-H-O-M-B-U-S. They also have uh, the family conference coming up. It's a free family conference, and uh, is it true that lunch is included? Yes, it is. Maple View Baptist Church has just been amazing, and they're really hosting this, and they believe in it. And so they're like, we're going to include lunch. That's incredible. So it's free and free lunch, child care free for those that are under two. So it's amazing. Yeah, I've never heard of a conference where you go to it free and you get free food. Yes, <laughs> so come hungry. Yeah. That makes it worthwhile right yes. there. Okay, and they're going to be covering all kinds of great stuff there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be giving two sessions. And so um, I hope you guys can come out and uh, check it out. It should be a lot of fun and uh, very helpful. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Yi, um, where does anxiety come from? Um, you know, why is it that some people are very anxious about situations that other people, it, it has no anxiety at all? Does that have something to do with the way they were brought up? What, what, is, what is going on there? Yeah, it can. I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. And so that sometimes what is so difficult because people respond very differently. So for instance, genes can really impact people, but you might see even in siblings, somebody struggles with anxiety and then somebody doesn't. So even I would say genetics, it also can be environmental factors, things that have happened to them, uh, stressors, maybe in their workplace, things that they've experienced, maybe even trauma. Those things can really add and be a risk factor for anxiety. So I would say it's a combination. Okay. Yeah. So for somebody who's, who's um, what do you recommend for somebody who is struggling with like a general uh, anxiety disorder where they are, um, you know, dealing with this on a regular ba- uh, basis where they're having racing thoughts, where mm-hmm. they can't, they can't let it go. Their minds at nighttime, their, their, their mind is racing. They're still thinking about things from the day. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of advice do you give somebody who's, who's going through that? Mm. You know, I think the first thing that I would really say is that you're not alone. 
you're not alone because I think so many people think that they are alone in that and then they're in their minds and they feel alone because they're not talking about it. So I would say first, um, know that you are in good company and there's tons of people who have received help and they're living lives that they want to and they don't have to live a life like that. Um, The second thing I would say is uh, talk to somebody. Tell somebody. I don't care who it is, somebody that you trust, tell them because this process, this life that we live is not meant to be walked alone. Mm. And so in this process of anxiety, it makes you feel super alone and that's a part of it. And so talk to somebody and hopefully they can point you in the right direction of receiving help. Um, That might be your friends, your family, your church pastors. Um, I would say this family conference is just even a good start because it's filled with people who are professionals in the field. Um, Maybe even calling somebody um, who is a therapist and saying, hey, this is what I'm going through. Is this something that I should be receiving help from? Because I do think a lot of the questions I get is, do I have anxiety? Should I be getting help from this? Or is this what everybody goes through? Yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, Again, the, the stat here is that around 6.8 million people in the U.S. suffer from generalized anxiety disorder. And that is just over 3% of, um, of the adult population. Mm. And it was saying here, um, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., Mm-hmm. affecting around 40 million adults, almost one in five people. Yeah, well, I mean, I think those statistics speak volumes as to how many people are really struggling with this. You know, similar to, I don't want to say it's the same thing, but very similar to physical disorders, I would say it depends on the stage that you catch it in. So that would be my advice too. Catch it early. Like if you have it and you're noticing that it's impacting your life, get help early. It's different as if Somebody is diagnosed with cancer and you are at stage one where it's more minimal versus stage four and it's really spread to different organs. I would say catch anxiety if you can at stage one. And it really makes a difference in how um, you might be treated and what that prognosis and that um, journey may look like. Mm, That's interesting. So can you um, break that down for us? So let's say somebody's there at stage one. First of all, what does that look like? And then how does that change over time? Is it, does anxiety, if not dealt with, grow Mm -hmm, if you mm -hmm. don't? Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Can you explain that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of like mold where it's there and maybe you're like, oh, it's at the bottom of my strawberries, so no big deal. And I'll just toss it up. But what if you don't? Yeah. What what happens? That whole pint of strawberries has gone bad now. Um, And so I think that's kind of, okay, at stage one, we'll pull the strawberry out and toss it, right? And it, maybe it's just impacting your thoughts. And so you start to worry and maybe you're a student. And so it's impacting your ability to function and focus in school, but it's not that bad. And it, maybe it comes and goes. So it's not all the time, but you're just, you're, you're noticing it to the point where like, oh, I used to not worry this much. Or maybe if people are commenting like, hey, you worry a lot. And um, you tend to be super negative about it. And so now you're like, okay, my relationships are kind of changing. And so that might progress into maybe stage two or stage three where you're noticing like, okay, I think people aren't wanting to hang out with me as much Mm. because I'm constantly in my own head. So I'm not actually present. I'm there. What does that mean to be in your own head? Hmm. Well, I think a part of it is do people know what you're thinking? Do people know what you're thinking? Wherever you're at, do people actually know what you're thinking? So when you say um, you say you're not present or mm-hmm. what does that look like? Um, the person's in their own head versus they're talking, engaging with other people. They're mm-hmm. not engaging as much. Or mm-hmm. What's going on there? Um, it could be. It can definitely be sometimes because when you are when your mind is split and you're thinking about something else, but you're having to talk about something else. 
that can really cause somebody to not be as engaged because you're just, your mind is split. Um, at the same time, a part of it is they're not able to share openly about exactly what they're going through. And so they're maybe talking about more superficial things. Mm-hmm. You might, I, mean, I think a lot of people sometimes are surprised like, wow, I didn't know that they were going through anxiety. I didn't know that they had those thoughts. They may not be wanting to talk about it. And so that really impacts the relationships because then you might start to think, well, they don't want to know about it mm. and they don't really care. And so actually I should keep it to myself because then I'm going to be a burden to somebody else. And you can already hear how this can turn into a cycle and just really pulls people down. Because they're they're having this argument in their heads yeah. and they're, they're kind of pulling away from other people. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've heard this discussed in the um, in the literature when I was reading up, up on this. Um, the the popular or the secular literature is calling it mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that? Yes. yes. Yeah. So uh, uh, my understanding, and correct me uh, here, but mindfulness is the ability to be present in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And somebody who's suffering with a lot of anxiety typically is not present. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a, a treatment process um, tied with cognitive behavioral therapy where it's really working with your mind and how to be present in the moment. So they do lots of like grounding techniques and counting and deep breathing and allowing people to really be present here in the moment because so many people do struggle with it. So you're trying to counter not being present with specific techniques from mindfulness. So is is not being present, is that a symptom of anxiety or is that what causes anxiety? Mm. Hmm. Meaning, is it a, is yeah. it a result or is yeah. it? Yeah. I would say it could be both. Okay. It can be both because I think once you start to have anxious thoughts, it pulls you to want to pull away from people um, because it's a wound that you have. And so maybe you're not ready to deal with it. And so you pull away, but then you continue to pull away to the point where you're like, I don't, I don't have anybody around me who really knows who I am and what I'm going through. And so I definitely think it can start that way too. Other times, maybe it's an incident like um, like a death in the family and you're experiencing loneliness. And because you experience loneliness because somebody is gone, which is totally normal, not talking about it. And then it really snowballs into feeling more anxious, like maybe you feel like everybody's going to leave you. Mm. So I think it can be different things that really can um, start. And that. you start having catastrophic thoughts. You start having these thoughts that are like blowing things way out of proportion mm-hmm. and so forth, mm-hmm. which just generates more. Mm-hmm. And I think a part of that is just noticing your thinking. Think about your thinking. In general, what kind of thinking do you have? Do you notice patterns? And that's something that we talk about with our clients a lot. And I got that from Dr. Hayden. She um, really stresses that. What are the patterns that you're noticing in your thinking? Are you worrying a lot in general? Because I think sometimes people day to day are like, no, I don't worry. And then they think, okay, all day, I really did worry about that. So, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my guest today is Dr. Esther Yee, and I think this is a really important conversation we're having having about anxiety. Um, Like I was saying before, around 40 million adults in America, about one in five, are suffering from some sort of anxiety disorder. And so uh, this is an issue that maybe you don't personally deal with it, but chances are that somebody around you does. And so uh, it's worth taking the time to study this because it has a huge impact on the quality of living um, that you can experience. And you know, Jesus Christ said, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. That's John 10, 10. And the reality is, is that we want that life with Christ. And part of that is changing the way we think. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what a lot of what has to happen here is we have to change the way we think and that we think biblically and we think in a way that that is healthy. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. 
When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. listening today this is educate for life i'm your host kevin conover and uh you can check out my website you can go to our youtube channel our facebook page we're actually streaming live if you're out there um we're saying hi here and uh hope that you're enjoying the program so far i think it's a great conversation we're having having right here about anxiety and what seems to be an increase in in anxiety it's not just that people are more aware of anxiety it's that actually it does seem that our culture today is becoming more anxious but anxiety is not a new thing. This is a quote. Uh, this is Robert Burton all the way back in 1621 uh, in a description about anxiety. It's called The Anatomy of Melancholy. Um, and it says here, He dare not come into company for fear he should be misused, disgraced, overshoot himself in gestures or speech, speeches, or be sick. He thinks every man observeth him. And I thought that was a, a pretty amazing description that mm-hmm. all the way back then, and really all the way back into the Bible um, too, right? It addresses these issues. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that this is not something that's new. It's ongoing that mm-hmm. the human mind um, tends to have a lot of worry. Yeah. And, yeah. and so um, what we want to do is uh, help young people too. I've heard recently that millennials, what, what I was reading up on is that several studies have said that Millennials are actually the most anxious generation so far. Mm. Uh, can you speak to that in young people? How is anxiety impacting young people? Well, I think the world has changed. And so people are becoming more anxious about the things that they're going through. For instance, like maybe the cost of education, it continues to be on the rise. And mm. so you start to think, okay, I got to go to college. But when I finish, how am I going to pay for all this debt that I have? And am I going to get a job right out of college? And I think they're very real concerns to have. Yeah. And so people are experiencing anxiety. Two, I mean, I think people are wondering, when should I get married? Should I get married? Should I have kids? And so even relational issues that are causing anxiety, and they may not know exactly how to deal with these things. Yeah. Uh, and in, in your mind, is there any changes that are taking place from like, um, you know, I graduated from high school in 1994, and then I look at uh, the, the, the generations in the past. Um, do you think that there is an increase in anxiety because of um, family dynamic changes, or is it technology changes or is it just all that stuff together i would say all of it together i mean think about how much people are and kids are presenting themselves online and the thought of well i need to have my hair done and i need to look right and i need to wear the right outfit and what am i going to put at the very bottom of the post and and how i present you know what i'm doing right now is it cool enough and Mm. and if i don't do that and i don't get maybe i only get 10 likes versus i was really aiming for 50 and so then you might start to feel anxious, like, okay, well, what do people think about me? What's what's wrong with me? You know, um, yeah. did I wear something funny? Um, am I not cool enough? Am I not likable? And so you're presenting yourself to other adolescents and other kids, and their brains are not fully formed. 
And sometimes people are not always kind online. And I think that can really impact somebody's self-esteem and self-worth. Yeah. And so that can even spiral into growing, growing greater anxiety. Mm. So um, it's interesting that with social media, you know, and there's all this, it's almost like you've expanded the playground into this massive uh, arena, right? Mm-hmm. Where, and I, I know a lot for a lot of my students, they're on 24 seven, they're on this yeah. social media, they're constantly uh, posting, commenting, doing all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff, now, almost as if they, they can't get off it. They're like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Mm-hmm. I've got to respond to this person. Mm-hmm. And so I can see how that would definitely uh, increase anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there a link between anxiety and depression? Yes. Yeah. Um, oftentimes we see them existing together. So we call that comorbid. Mm-hmm. So what, what, um, how would you describe the difference between anxiety and depression and why, why is there a connection? Mm. I would say for those that have seen the movie Inside Out, and I think it's really popular, and I use the example of sadness. Now, I know that she may not be the spokesperson for depression, but I think she gives a good example of how sadness can really impact um, people's thinking and the way that she's able to function and just even um, how she carries herself. That, I would say, looks more like depression. Um, Anxiety is more of worries. And so I don't know if that kind of differentiates the yeah, two, but I yeah. think they can be definitely tied together, though, because if you're thinking about how worried you are and then you're also feeling sad, you're not going to want to be around people. Mm. And so this really creates this tornado effect almost um, when the two are combined together. Now, one can also almost, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I would say cause, but it can be linked towards the other. Um, and so even let's say you are experiencing a family issue. And genetics, you might say, okay, well, my family has a history of depression. So, okay, you may be feeling more depressed or more likely to feel depressed versus somebody else. Um, But then you might have something like you're a millennial. And due to your age, your schooling, maybe your social economic status, you might be more prone to anxiety. And so that could be something that's tied together there too. So I would say it's different for each person and what they're going through, but definitely we've seen a correlation between the two. Okay. And then, um, you know, there's been this popular idea for a long time, and I, f- I think it's uh, it, it's falling out of uh, popularity. I was reading several uh, articles on this. People have said, oh, you, you have a chemical imbalance in your brain. Mm-hmm. And I've been reading articles now, and they're saying uh, there was a lot of faulty thinking in this idea of chemical um, imbalance in the brain. And so there seems to be this uh, controversy over mm-hmm. this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I will say for those that are struggling with mental health, your brain does look different. Now, in the past, people used to think, oh, okay, the brain that you're giving, that's it. That's it. And your brain can't heal. But now we know your brain can heal. So it can heal over time with getting treatment and healthy relationships. And so um, with your brain, I would say, yes, your brain does look different, but there's hope. It doesn't have to stay that way. It's not a foregone conclusion that uh, that's the way it is. No, yeah. And it used to be. That's what people used to think. And I think we're still learning so much about the brain. I recently heard somebody say, you know, what we know about the brain now, 10 years later, it's going to be drastically different. So we're getting there. It's a process. And so uh, you don't want somebody to go, because this is what uh, the article I was reading said, well, what's happened in the past is people have thought, well, there's pretty much no hope because... Mm. Um, this is the way my brain is. I have a chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. I've got to take drugs. If I don't take drugs, you know, uh, it, it's basically there's there's no other solution. But right. you're saying that over time with a change in the way you think, mm-hmm. change in your relationships, you can actually produce that long-term um, uh, change that's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Why else would people go to therapy? Yeah, there's hope there. Exactly. There's hope there. And we want people to know that. And I think 
a part of depression is hopelessness. And it's hard because you want to stay stuck. But a part of it is you got to learn how to pull yourself out of that. And sometimes you need help to do that. Mm -hmm. It can be like sinking sand. And it is so hard to pull yourself out of that by yourself. So you're not meant to walk this journey alone. Yeah. So reach out. Yeah. And then I, I would say for people who are um, hanging out with those that you might think that they have depression, reach out to them too. I think it's a two-way street. Okay. So we got to help each other. Yeah. You know, and that, that uh, brings it back. Um, I was also reading another article uh, recently, and one of the studies actually said that um, the number one social activity that is uh, correlated with long-term happiness was attending church mm. or attending religious services. And I thought, uh, you know, that that really speaks to the Word of God. Um, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Let us not neglect meeting together, as some have made a habit, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And when you're dealing with a client or you're talking to somebody who's dealing with anxiety or depression, um, is part of that process i mean i know you're trying to change the way they're thinking mm -hmm. um are you encouraging them as far as getting out there and, and making friends and these sorts of things or how, how does that work yeah absolutely social support is huge it's not enough to just change that one person but to realize that people it's a domino effect yeah you impact others and so we are encouraging to create healthy relationships not the number of friends so i'm not giving you know or encouraging people to say okay well you need to meet 10 people or 50 people and and have that to somehow boost your self-esteem if you have that many friends but it's more of teaching them well how do we have quality relationships how do we have quality conversations about things that are more than just the weather even though there may be a place for that and so recognizing that there's different types of relationships that people can have um, all the way from more superficial types like when you meet somebody at the grocery store and i hope you're not pouring your whole heart out yeah. versus maybe your spouse where you have that deep connection or a or a friend or a family member that's there there's a place for all those types of relationships so we're saying you need all of them but really focusing on well how do we have deep meaningful relationships yeah and i, I you know when we come back i want to talk about that um, is you know what about the person that's struggling and, mm -hmm. and they're and they're thinking of themselves hey i'd love to have deep meaningful relationships but i can't seem to connect with anybody on that level. And every time I feel like I'm getting closer to having a relationship, mm -hmm. the relationship falls apart or the person pulls away. And mm -hmm. what am I doing wrong where I'm not actually having these deep relationships that I crave? And so when we come back, my guest today is Dr. Esther Yee and uh, rhombuscounseling.com. Rhombus is R-H-O-M-B-U-S counseling.com. And uh, it's a Christian counseling center and with a biblical worldview. Uh, but with uh, licensed professionals there. So that's a great, great place to get help. You can also register for the free family conference at gorhombus.com. That's May 4th, 9 to 1230 p.m. at Maple View Church in Lakeside. And lunch is included. I, I've never heard of a conference where you get a free lunch. So um, that's incredible right there. Child care is provided for those two and under. And there's going to be all kinds of breakout sessions that are meant to help you as an individual and also to help your family. So I hope you can make it out. It's going to be a really great time. Invite everybody you know to come out and really be blessed and uh, to grow in their relationships. Stay with us. We have one more segment. We're going to be right back.
Luke Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. And if you would like to look at previous shows that I've had, I've interviewed uh, scientists from all over the world, cosmologists. I've interviewed um, all kinds of professionals that are talking about their experience with Jesus Christ and how he has impacted their life and um, then also often use them to impact the lives of those around them. And so we've got uh, over 100 interviews now with people from all over the world in all areas of life, whether it's paleontologists, psychologists, um, you know, uh, let's see, what else? Cosmologists, uh, creationists, everything you can imagine, theologians, all kinds of stuff out there. You can check it out on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, and then my website, educateforlife.org. My guest today is Dr. Esther Yee, and we're talking about anxiety and depression and also the family conference that's coming up on May 4th. Uh, there was a study done, published in the Journal of uh, Psychiatry in 2017, and it involved 147,261 adults from 26 countries. And their conclusion was this. That general anxiety disorder is especially common and impairing in high-income countries despite a negative association between generalized anxiety disorder and socioeconomic status within countries. In other words, within each country, anxiety disorder is more prevalent in less wealthy regions. However, as a whole, it is the residents of wealthier countries who are more likely to experience anxiety disorder and their lives are more significantly impacted by it. I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, essentially, what they're saying there is uh, that countries that have a lot of money have a lot more anxiety. The, the more money you have, the less anxiety you have, but uh, if you're in a, a wealthy country, you generally have more anxiety than low-income countries. Uh, and do you have any thoughts about that? I know that's kind of out of the blue here, but do you have any thoughts about why that might be? Yeah, I think it has to do with money. I think it's a material thing. I think more people are concerned about what they have than investing in connecting with their relationships. Um, for the countries that maybe they don't have as much, they're probably not concerned with that. You know, They're probably more concerned with food to put on the table. right? And so I think people are surprised by that. Oh, if we have so much money, we should have less things to worry about. Um, but we're noticing more money, more problems. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Uh, again, I, I referencing that Harvard study, they said that uh, millennials said that the uh, top two things that they were looking for out of life were money and fame. Mm -hmm. And yet what they found from the study is that the number one cause of happiness was those strong social relationships. Mm -hmm. And that kind of brings us back to the question we asked uh, before the break, which is, um, what about the person? What do you say to the person who's really struggling to have those relationships mm -hmm. Uh, how do you encourage them? I would say start with yourself first. I know that that's not the easiest thing or what people typically want to hear, but I would say start with yourself first and really dive deep into, well, what's really going on with you? And um, seek out help. 
you know, seek out help from a professional, seek out help from somebody. You look at their life and you're like, man, I want to live my life like that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's healthy. Because oftentimes I'll say when somebody's going through something and they're unhealthy, they also attract those that are unhealthy. Those are the types of relationships that they may think is healthy, but they're not because their lenses, what they're looking through is unhealthy. So I would say work on yourself first. Healthy attracts healthy for the most part. And so I would say work on yourself and then you'll be able to build those healthy relationships. You may be able to learn what you're looking for of how to have a healthy relationship. That's very interesting. So, and when you say work on yourself, is this, um, you know, primarily through counseling or what can they do? Um, you know, some people go, man, I can't afford counseling. I, mm-hmm. It's so expensive, you know, for an yeah. hour, it's whatever, a hundred, 110 bucks often. Mm-hmm. Um, what, any advice to somebody who says, man, I just don't have the finances to spend on that? Yeah, you know, actually, there's a lot of places that provide counseling at reasonable cost. So even at our agency, we provide, you know, I would say like 30 bucks usually is our typically our lowest. And that's provided through interns, but they're su- supervised by licensed professionals. So I would say, you know, it's, it is costly. It really is, honestly. And I think some people think, oh, I need to go to counseling every single week or every other day. You don't necessarily have to. I would say talk to the person that you're receiving help from. Maybe it's every other week. And so it's not as costly as doing it every single you know week and meeting somebody that's licensed. Maybe you'll get there. But for now, I'd say start with somebody where you can just talk about some of the things that you're going through. Okay. And then, um, you know, you were emphasizing last segment uh, quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. What is an appropriate um, amount of friends to have where you, you can actually have quality? And what does a quality relationship look like? Mm. I'm cautious to say a number because I don't want people to think, oh, if I have that number, yeah. then I have really good, <laughs> good quality. Go. <laughs> yeah. And so I want to definitely stay away from that. But yeah. more of, you know, I would say quality relationships are types of relationships where you can be honest and authentic with who you are. When you look at your friends, do they really know who you are? Do they know what you're struggling? Do they know what you like? Um, and I think that's a learning and growing process. You won't know everything about everybody or everything about that one person. And that's okay. So don't expect to think, oh, if I don't know every single little thing about that person, that doesn't mean I have a quality relationship with them. I think that can grow over time. And so I would say, well, one way to know if you to want to start with having quality relationships, I just say, I say, test it. Throw out a little bit about yourself and then see how somebody responds. If they respond really poorly, maybe that person isn't a right fit for you to have a good relationship with. Because let's be honest, not everybody is healthy. And so Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you're not investing in somebody that um, could potentially not be a healthy relationship for you. So throw out a little bit and then see how they respond. If they respond well, they're supportive and loving and encouraging, then keep investing in that relationships. And for those that you're like, oh, they don't seem as healthy, you can just place a very firm but healthy boundary there and say, okay, you know what? They're an acquaintance, but I'm not going to share my deepest, darkest secrets with them Mm. uh, because maybe you don't want them to be that close to you. And that's okay. That's fantastic. So one of the signs of a a quality relationship is the amount of um, yourself that you can share with them, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. amount of trust you can have with Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then... um, my other question was, what about the person that feels like, okay, and you kind of answered this already, but um, they're going around and they don't feel like people are reciprocating mm. and, and they're going, okay, well, I've poured a lot out. Let's say the person's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. They respond well, but they feel like there's there's not a 50-50 in the relationship. They mm-hmm. feel like it's kind of really one-sided. Mm-hmm. What, what do you tell a person who's you know in this relationship and they're going, man, I, I just am not getting the same love back yeah, in the relationship. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really hard and that can in itself be lonely. I would say talk about it. 
talk about it to the person that you're experiencing that with and just say, hey, I feel like I'm pouring a lot of myself into this relationship and I'm not like, I don't really know what's going on with you. Can you share a little bit more? Like, where are we in our friendship? And I think sometimes people shy away from being uncomfortable, Mm. but all relationships in order for them to be quality relationships, it takes growing pains, which means having uncomfortable conversations and sit in it, talk about it. And you know what? It will pass. It will pass. And so I think that's an encouragement for those that are maybe struggling with their quality relationships. It will pass. Don't make fast decisions based on your current circumstance, but think future terms, long term, and really pour into those that you're like, wow, they really are loving and trustworthy. Um, Sometimes people fail and that's okay. So I would say be patient and be gracious. That's great advice. Uh, Well, my guest today was Dr. Esther Yee and she is with Rhombus rhombuscounseling.com it's a great place to check out if you're looking for help or you're looking for like she said somebody to uh, even an intern if you don't have a lot of money you can get that counseling um, and they have professional counselors on their website that you can uh, refer to gorhombus.com is where you can re- you can register for the free family conference that's coming up it's at Maple, Tur- Maple View Church in Lakeside and uh, like we said it's free lunch is free and uh, child care is provided for free for those two and under and uh, Maple View Church is being a blessing and and uh, sponsoring this the main topic at the conference is going to be battling loneliness which uh, if you've been listening to the program you know uh, is a killer Uh, loneliness is not something that that you want to just keep on in your life God meant for us to come together and to support one another and the the word of God talks about this over and over again Uh, In Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, uh, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the conference, the family conference, is all from a biblical worldview. These are all people who love Jesus and are all speaking from a biblical perspective. Hebrews 10, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 17, 22. I love this verse. It says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. And so we want to continue to push push into Christ and to into his word and into the counseling from people who know and understand how God designed our minds and our hearts so that we can learn from them and really uh, come to understand ourselves better and others better so that we can be a blessing in the light God has called us to be. So uh, again, Dr. Yee, thanks for being on the program today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I look forward to being with you at the conference. Thanks for being here. Uh, Wave goodbye. See you later. And uh, we'll be back again, um, actually not next week, but the week after. Happy Easter. Next week's Easter. I hope you have a fantastic time celebrating the resurrection of Christ and all he did for us. And uh, God bless you. And uh, stay in touch on my website. Feedback, comments. I love to have that stuff. So look forward to hearing from you. Take care. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry. We're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit EducateForLife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243.